0: Okay, good evening, uh, brothers and sisters. Praise be to our loving Abba that we are again gathered together to study his word. So we will continue with the study of the book of Numbers. We are about to complete the book of Numbers. And so we are at that point in the history of Israel when they're about to enter the promised land in Canaan. Last week, we talked about the holy war in which Yahuwah God instructed them basically to remove the evil forces there in the plains of Moab just east of the Jordan River and so as they were preparing themselves to enter the promised land the people namely several tribes of the people of Israel what did they observe in the pla- in the present land that they were in east of the Jordan River let's read the book of numbers 32 <coughs> 1 to 4 the tribes of Reuben and Gad owned vast numbers of livestock so when they saw that the lands of Jazer and Gilead were ideally suited for their flocks and herds, they came to Moses, Eleazar the priest, and the other leaders of the community. They said, notice the towns of Ataroth, Debon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Elele, Sibmah, Nebo, and beyond. Yahweh has conquered this whole area for the community of Israel, and it is ideally suited for all your livestock. Remember, uh, Israel reached this point after victories in several battles. And so they occupy this land just east of the Jordan River across the promised land of Canaan. And so who observed this piece of land which they reckoned to be good for their livestock? The tribes of Reuben and Gad. And so as the tribes of Reuben and Gad looked over the land, they said it was ideally suited for their flocks and their herds. And so after observing this nice piece of property, what did they request? What was the request they made to Moses? Numbers 32 verse 5. If we have found favor with you, please let us have this land as our property Instead of giving us land across the Jordan River. Remember, Yahuwah in our previous studies is going to give them their inheritance east or west of the Jordan River. And so the request that was made by the tribes of Reuben and Gad is that they just get the land where they were at that moment, the land east of the Jordan River, not the land across the Jordan or west. In Canaan. This was the request made by the Reubenites and the Gadites. So, this is Israel, and we have there the Jordan River. Where is the Jordan River? Right there. And so, what was allotted by God for the inheritance of this present Israel? What the Yahuwah God wanted them to occupy west of the Jordan River. This is Canaan, the promised land. However, the request of the Reubenites and the Gadites was they wanted this land right here directly east from the Jordan River. And so when they made this request to Moses, what was Moses' reaction? Let's read Numbers 32, seven. Do you intend to stay here while your brothers go across and do all the fighting? Moses asked the men of Gad and Reuben, Why do you want to discourage the rest of the people of Israel from going across the land Yahuwah has given them? So what was the initial reaction of Moses after hearing this request from the tribe of Reuben and Gad? Not too pleasant. Moses was displeased to the point that he rebuked Gad and Reuben. What did he say to Gad and Reuben? Why do you intend to stay here? The land west of the uh, east of the Jordan, instead of going to fight with your brothers. If you make this decision, this will discourage the rest of the people of Israel. However, there was something deeper that was bothering Moses. What was that? Let's keep reading 8 down to 12. Your ancestors did the same thing when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. After they went up to the valley of Eshkol and explored the land, they discouraged the people of Israel from entering the land Yahuwah was giving them. Then Yahuwah was very angry with them, and he vowed, Of all those I rescued from Egypt, no one who is 20 years old or older will ever see the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for they have not obeyed me wholeheartedly. The only exceptions are Caleb, son of Jephunneh, And Kenizait and Joshua, son of Nun, for they have wholeheartedly followed Yahuwah, what was in the mind and the heart of Moses, which caused him great concern, caused him great worry. It was the possibility of history repeating itself, because some 40 years ago, the same thing happened, right? When they were about to enter the promised land in Kadesh Barnea, and he sent out 12 spies. Ten of the spies gave an evil report, and they discouraged the people of Israel. And so instead of occupying the land, what did they do? They wanted to go back to Egypt. And so they caused the anger of God upon them. So much so that Yahuwah God really punished the people of Israel. What was that punishment? Let's keep reading 13 and 15. Yahuwah was angry. With Israel and made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until the entire generation that sinned in Yahuwah's sight had done. But here you are a brood of sinners doing exactly the same thing. You are making Yahuwah even angrier with Israel. If you turn away from him like this and he abandons them again in the wilderness, you will be responsible for destroying this entire Nation, What did Yahuwah God do? Because the 10 spies, which brought discouraging news and discouraged the people of Israel, resulting in the anger of God. Well, because of God's anger, the people of Israel were caused to wander for how long? 40 years, so that the people who sinned against God would die in the wilderness. And so here we are about 40 years later. And they have the opportunity to occupy the promised land. They're about to enter the promised land. And here comes Reuben and Gad. And what are they saying to Moses? Moses, we want this land here. We don't want to occupy the land that is west of the Jordan River. We want this land here because it's good for our herds. It's good for our livestock. So this was the decision of Reuben and Gad. And so Moses was angry because what happened before could happen again. And so he's telling the people of Reuben and Gad, if you turn away from him like this, then he will again abandon his people, Israel, and you will be responsible for destroying the entire nation. But you know what? This was really a misunderstanding. This is why the Reubenites and the Gadites wanted to clarify something with Moses. What was that? 16 to 17. But they approached Moses and said, we simply want to build pens for our livestock and fortified towns for our wives and children. Then we will arm ourselves and lead our fellow Israelites into battle until we have brought them safely to their land. Meanwhile, our families will stay in the fortified towns we build here. So they will be safe from any attacks by the local people and so Moses did not understand this part of the request the request that the Reubenites and the Gadites were making did not mean that they would not fight together with the people of Israel they would go to the promised land and after the people there have been defeated and the land has been occupied only then will they go back to their home uh, east of the Jordan River And so what the Reubenites and Gadites were suggesting to Moses was basically a compromise, right? We will go with you and fight with you, but we want to go back to this land here in the east of the Jordan River. And so when Moses, uh, what else was uh, uh, promised by the Reubenites and the Gadites? Let's read 18 to 19. We will not return to our homes until all the people of Israel have received their portions of land. But we do not claim any of the land on the other side of the Jordan. We would rather live here on the east side and accept this as our grant of land. And so when they presented this in a more clear fashion to Moses, and Moses processing what was being told him, what did Moses say? To that plan. Then Moses said if you keep your word and arm yourselves for Yahuwah's battles and if your troops cross the Jordan and keep fighting until Yahuwah has driven out his enemies then you may return when Yahuwah has conquered the land. You will have fulfilled your duty to Yahuwah and to the rest of the people of Israel and the land on the east side of the Jordan will be your property from Yahuwah. And so what did Moses say at the proposal Well, basically Moses said, okay, technically, right? You do satisfy your duty to Yahuwah if you will fight with us until the fighting is finished and the enemies have been driven out. And so Moses agrees to this uh, proposal from the Reubenites and the Gadites. However, what was the warning of Moses? Let's read 23 to 24, but if you fail to keep your word, Then you will have sinned against Yahuwah, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Go ahead and build towns for your families and pens for your flocks, but do everything you have promised. What was the warning of Moses uh, to the Reubenites and the Gadites concerning their proposal? Moses said, if you keep your word good. But if you fail to keep your word, which is a vow that you have made to Yahuwah God, then you have sinned against Yahuwah. What else did Moses add, which is a biblical truth and a principle we need to understand today, brothers and sisters? Moses said, and I want you to pay attention to what, this, what Moses is saying here. Your sin will find you out. Many times in our life today, when we commit sin, Right. We we think we can get away with it if nobody knows about it. We think we can get away with it if Yahuwah God seems as though he is not going to punish us about it. But the Bible says if we don't repent from our sin, your sin will find you out. And Moses was reminding the people of Reuben and Gad, if they fail to keep their word, Even if the other leaders of Israel would not notice their absence, Yahuwah God will punish them. And so they were basically what Moses was asking from them was their commitment, their loyalty, that they will fight together with them. And they agreed. And so what did Moses say to Eleazar and Joshua? Because after all, we know Moses is not going to be a part of this conquest in the promised land, right? Because he's going to die. He's not going to be a part of this. It'll be Eleazar and Joshua. And so what does he tell Joshua and Eleazar about? Let's read Numbers 32, 28 to 30. So Moses gave orders to Eleazar the priest, Joshua, son of Nun, and the leaders of the clans of Israel. He said, the men of Gad and Reuben, who are armed for battle, must cross the Jordan with you to fight for Yahuwah. If they do, give them the land of Gilead, as your property when the land is conquered. But if they refuse to arm themselves and cross over with you, then they must accept land with the rest of you in the land of Canaan. And so basically Moses, knowing he's not going to be with them in the promised land in Canaan, he tells Eleazar, the priest, the high priest, Joshua, son of Nun, about the agreement. This way, everyone's on the same page. So after the death of Moses, there's not going to be a lot of bickering and asking of questions. Everything is settled. And so Moses, being a good leader, wanted to make sure even after his passing, the the outline of the plan of the conquest of the promised land in Israel is going to pan out. And so he's preparing for his death. He's instructing Moses and Elia's. He's instructing Eleazar and Joshua and reminding them that if they refuse to arm themselves and cross over with you, then they must accept the land with the rest of the people in, of Israel uh, west of the Jordan River. And so listening to this, the Gadites and the Reubenites, what did they reaffirm? 31 to 32, the tribes of Gad and Reuben said again, we are your servants and we will do as Jehovah has commanded. We will cross the Jordan into Canaan Canaan, fully armed to fight for Yahuwah, but our property will be here on this side of the Jordan. And so the Reubenites and the Gadites, I think they were excited because their request was granted by Moses after they win the battle there in the, the promised land in Canaan then they can go back to their families in their homes on that side of the Jordan, which is the east side of the Jordan River. And so what does Moses plan in advance upon conquering the land of Canaan? Numbers 32, 33. So Moses assigned the land of the tribes of Gad, Reuben, and half the tribe of Manasseh, son of Joseph. He gave them the territory of King Sihon of the Amorites and the land of King Og of Bashan the whole land with its cities and surrounding lands. So it turns out it wasn't just Gad and Reuben but the other half of the tribe of Manasseh and so east of the Jordan we have two and a half tribes that would occupy pieces of land there and the rest of the people of Israel would occupy west of the Jordan river. This was the agreement that was made based upon the request of Reuben and Gad. And so prior to occupying the, the land of Israel, what did Reuben and Gad and Manasseh do? The descendants of Gad built the towns of Debon, Atarof, Atrosha, and Jazer, Jagbeha. The descendants of Reuben built the towns of Heshbon, Elilah, Kiriathaim, and Moses gave Gilead to the Macarite's descendants of Manasseh, and they settled there. And so they occupied certain places west of the Jordan River, based upon the request of Reuben and Gad, and also a late add-on, the, half, the half-tribe of Manasseh. And so when they finally conquered the uh, Promised Land, fast forward a little bit in history, They occupy Canaan, and this is how the distribution of the land looks like. You can look, you can see that the the nine and a half tribes of Israel occupies the land west uh, of the uh, Jordan River, right? You see the Jordan River? And the rest, Gad, Reuben, and the other half tribe of Manasseh, they occupy the other half, which is east of the Jordan River. So we have the west, and we have the east. East versus West, not East versus West, West versus East. It's all one Israel. However, I don't believe Moses was very happy with this agreement. Why? That's because when you really look at it, it basically divides the people of Israel. You see that physical divide? The Jordan River, that was a big divide. They were really divided physically from the rest of the people of God. And so from this illustration, from this historical act, from this history of God's people, we find like certain patterns. We discover three kinds of Yahuwah's people in relation to the inheritance and the promise of Yahuwah and his will. Who are these three kinds of people? There are those who are faithless, right? Who are they, the faithless? Those who rejected the will of God. These were the the, the 10 spies, as well as those who agreed with the 10 spies. And so what happened to them? They died out in the 38 years of wilderness wanderings because they were faithless. They rejected God because of their fear. They rejected the plan of God for them to occupy Canaan, the promised land. They wanted to go back to Egypt. And so they perished. That's the faith of the faithless we don't want to be in that group what we want is to be in this group the faithful who were the faithful the new generation those who occupied Canaan the promised land because they desired and fully lived by the will of God but there seems to be a third group what is that third group not purgatory okay we're not talking about purgatory here but there's a third group which represents those who live by compromised faith. What does that mean? Yes, they will go to the promised land, but then come out of the promised land, right? To live just across it, through the, across the Jordan River. So they live within the boundaries of God's will, but not completely doing what God desires. And so when we look at the map of Israel, they are indeed divided, and this is not really God's desire for them. You see, the tribes of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they settled for what Yahuwah allowed instead of doing what Yahuwah desired. Do you see the difference between the two? Sometimes there are things God permits, but it's not the ideal. It's not what God desires for you. They settled for what is good enough instead of what is best. And so Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, instead of doing what Yahuwah God really desired, they settled only for what Yahuwah allowed. And so because of this, what happened eventually to the people of Israel? Because uh, Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh what we can say is they basically compromised the will of God. Yeah, technically, they were within the will of God, technically, right? Because they did their duties before Yehovah God. They did ask for permission. They did get that permission, and Yehovah God gave them that permission eventually. And so, yes, they were technically within the boundary of God's will. However, they were not doing what God desired, of them. They compromised the will of God instead of completely committing themselves to Yahuwah's will. And you know, whenever we compromise Yahuwah's will just a little bit, eventually it's going to add up and it's going to lead to ruin. What eventually happened to the people of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh? If we jump a little bit to the book of Joshua 22, this was after the inheritance the truth is we have built this altar. This was the people east of the Jordan River. Uh, the truth is we have built this altar because we fear that in the future your descendants your descendants, will say to ours, what right do you have to worship Yahuwah, the God of Israel? Yahuwah has placed the Jordan River as a barrier between our people and your people of Reuben and Gan. You have no claim to Yahuwah. So your descendants may prevent our descendants from worshiping Yahuwah. So right after the distribution of land and Reuben and Gad and half of Manasseh are now occupying east of the Jordan River, they can already feel the problem is going to bring. What is one big problem? It is going to hinder their spiritual growth. Why? Because remember, the tabernacle will be where? Where will the tabernacle be? West. West. Where are they? East. What's the barrier? The Jordan River. And that's a big barrier. And so when we look at this metaphorically and spiritually, we can see it also applies to our life today. Sometimes we make compromises that limit our access to Yahuwah God and Yahusha HaMashiach. Maybe we limit our faith. And so here we have the Eastern tribes. They can potentially see the problem this Jordan River will bring in the future. The first ones who will be affected with compromise, who are they? The children. This is why they wanted to build that altar because they can already see That their children and their descendants will not be as full spiritually compared with their Western brothers because the tabernacle is over there. And so eventually in the long run, slowly but surely, they will deteriorate spiritually. And this is also always something we have to keep in mind when it comes to compromising. The will of God. And surely, and sure enough, what happened centuries later? 1 Chronicles 5, verse 18. There were 44,760 capable warriors in the armies of Reuben, right? Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh. These are the people of Israel east of the Jordan. They were all skilled in combat and armed with shields, swords, and bows, but... You know, when there's a but, there's something not good coming up. But these tribes were unfaithful to the God of their ancestors. They worshiped the gods of the nations that God had destroyed. So the God of Israel caused King Paul of Assyria, also known as Tiglath-Pileser, to invade the land and take away the people of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh as captives. The Assyrians exiled them to Hala. Habor, Hara, and the Gozan River, where they remain to this day. And so because they were basically detached from the tabernacle, their spirituality waned. It deteriorated to the point that they were the first ones to commit severe idolatry against Yahuwah, our God. This is why they were the first ones who were taken captive by the Assyrians. And so we need to learn this lesson. Compromising the will of Yahuwah God slowly will lead to ruin. Maybe in the short term, it seems to be okay. After all, the people of Reuben and Gad were enjoying their land for their livestock and their herd. They were short-sighted. They did not see long-term because long-term, when you compromise, even just for a little bit, The will of Yahuwah God for our life in the long run, that small compromise will add up into something big and it will eventually lead to our ruin. This is why we need to make sure we don't compromise the will of God. Well, what was the cause? What caused them to compromise the will of God, the plan of God that they occupy first the eastern part or the western part of the Jordan River? Well, let's read Numbers 32, 1 to 4. If you notice, we read this earlier. They saw that the lands of Jezer and Gilead were ideally suited for their flocks and herds. And so what caused them to compromise the will of God was priority in their livestock, their livelihood, material things, over the tabernacle. In other words, they gave more priority to material blessing. Into spiritual blessing. And many of us can be guilty of that, right? Sometimes we prioritize material things over spiritual things. And those small compromises will eventually add up. And if we are not watchful, if we will not repent, and if we will not recommit our zeal in serving Yahuwah God, eventually it could lead to our ruin. However, the Reubenites and the Gedites were not the only ones guilty of that. That pattern happened long before, during the days of Abraham. If you still remember Genesis 13, eight to nine, finally Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to, be, to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left, and so uh, Abram and Lot, they had a conflict between themselves and their herdsmen, right, and Abram, because he was a nice person, very, very giving person, he speaks to his nephew Lot, and tells Lot, okay, the whole countryside is before you, I want you to, to, to choose the land where you want to dwell, you'll go there, and we'll go the other direction, so that we don't run head to head and we end up in conflict, okay? So this is the opportunity that Abram gives Lot. And so when Lot surveys the land, when he looks at what the opportunity is out there, what decision does he make, 13, 10 to 13? Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of Yahuwah or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before Yahuwah destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked And constantly sinned against Yahuwah. So here was Lot. And he was surveying the land. Looking at the place where he can dwell in. And what caught his eyes? The well-watered land. The beautiful land that was near Sodom. And so he chose that place. Why? Because it was beautiful, right? Because it was fertile fertile plains but there was a problem what was the problem it was near Sodom why was that a problem because the people there were wicked and sinned against Yahuwah God and so if he were to move near Sodom it would compromise his faith right why because the evil influence would eventually influence him and his people and we can see that so many people today they make decisions based on sight right instead of basing their decisions on faith that's why apostle paul tells us in second Corinthians 5 7 we live by faith not by sight and so lot chose that place near sodom because he saw it was beautiful Reuben and Gad, the tribes of Reuben and Gad, they chose that place also east of Jordan because they said it was a perfect land for their uh, herds and their livestock. And so they chose that. But what did they not see? They did not see the spiritual aspect of it, how it will affect them spiritually. And a lot of us today, we sometimes make that same mistake. This is why Apostle Paul reminds us today, we must live by faith not by sight. When we make decisions, we should not only look at what we see, especially we must look We must look at faith. We must look at how it's going to affect our relationship with God, how it's going to affect our worship and our service, how it's going to affect our role as his people in these last days. And so brothers and sisters, so that we can protect ourselves from compromising the will of God, because we all belong to Yahushua, right? And sometimes we're going to make decisions in life. For example, some of the big decisions in life, where am I going to move to? Or maybe where am I going to study, go to college? Or maybe who am I going to marry? How many here are thinking about who they're going to marry? Yeah. Because we're going to make decisions like that. Decisions like Reuben and Gad made. What should we always keep in mind as members of the assembly of Yahusha? Let's read the book of Corinthians 6, verse 12. You say, I am allowed to do, it, to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. And so Apostle Paul, so Paul reminds us, yes, we have freedom. There are certain things we can do. We belong to Yahushua, right? Yes, God permits us to do certain things. For example, when it comes to choosing who to marry. What kind of job we're going to have, where we're going to move to, right? God gives us that freedom. However, we have to keep in mind to know the difference between God's, what God permits and what God desires. That's different. What God permits, God is telling us, okay, if that's what you want, go ahead, you will learn the hard way. But if we do what God's desires is, what God desires for us then that is what's good for us. That's why Apostle Paul says, yeah, we're allowed to do everything or to do some things, but not everything we're allowed to do is good for us. You see the point? What are some of the things that will not be good for us, the things that will make us slaves of that thing? This is why Apostle Paul always reminds us concerning the will of God that we must, we, we must not compromise it just because it, something is allowed Does it mean it's good for us? What else? Apostle Paul says, Corinthians 10.23, you say I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. And so we need to discern between what God allows and what God really wants and desires for us. In other words, we must not settle for what God allows. Instead, we should desire. Yahu was best for our life, which is His will. We should not be like the Reubenites and the Gadites. Yes, they were allowed to occupy the eastern part of the Jordan, but it was not the best for them. The same thing with our life. There are many decisions we need to make, but before we make that decision, let's not settle for what God allows. Instead, we should want and desire for Yahu was best which is what is his, which is his will for each one of us. Well, how can we know the will of Yahuwah God, right? How can we know that? Proverbs 3, 5 to 8, trust in Yahuwah with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear Yahuwah and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. How can we know the will of God? How can we fulfill the will of God? It begins by seeking his will in all that we do. With all of our heart trusting in Yahuwah our God. Does it mean it's wrong to make a request to God? For example, maybe we saw a person that we think we're in love with. Oh, he's so handsome. He's got the perfect job. He's a surgeon, right? I think this is the will of God. Lord God, can you make him fall in love with me? Can we do that? We could. (laughs) Is it okay to make a request to Yahuwah God? Yes. However, let us keep in mind Yahusha's prayer. Remember that? What was Jehusha's prayer? He submitted a request to Yahuwah. And then his famous words. What were they? Nevertheless, it's not my will I want. I want your will to be done. That's the prayer of trust. And so, yes, we can submit a request to God. But always end your prayer. Always include in your prayer. Nevertheless, Father, I want your will. I want what you want to be what I want. So tell me, please, what your will is, what your desire for me is. Isn't that a better way to approach decisions and approach our life? Because if we are living in the will of God, God will protect us and he will take responsibility of whatever happens to us because we're following the will of God. If only the Reubenites and the Gadites prayed like that to Jehovah God. Lord God, this is what we want but I want what you want more than what I want, right? And so we need to pray that kind of prayer. Why can we trust God that when we go to him, that he will direct us and show us the right path to take? Why? Isaiah 48, 17 to 8. Look at the heart of God. This is what he says. The holy God of Israel, Yahuwah, who saves you, says, I am Yahuwah your God, the one who wants to teach you for your own good and direct you in the way you should go. If only you had listened to my commands then blessings would have flowed for you like a stream that never goes dry. Victory would have come to you like the waves that roll on the shore. Brothers and sisters, why can't we trust Yahuwah God? That he can direct our life because he wants to bless us and he wants us to be victorious. This is why the best decision we can make right now, you know what it is? It's complete surrender to the will of God. It's to what God's will for our life. That's the best decision we can make today. Instead of convincing God that your way is better than his, it's better for us to be convinced that Jehovah's way is better than what we can think of. That's why the Proverbs, book of Proverbs reminds us, do not be impressed with your own wisdom. Do not think you, you understand more and know more than God. We cannot know more and understand more than God. And what does God want for us? He wants us to succeed. Victory, he said, would have come to you one after the other, like the waves that roll on the shore. What else? Blessings would have flowed for you. This is why we must never compromise the will of God. And if there was someone who wants what is best for us, it's Yahuwah. Do you know what Yahuwah God has in store for us? In the book of Jeremiah 29, 11, I alone... Know the plans I have for you, plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster, plans to bring about the future you hope for. Yes, this is for the people of Israel. He has plans for them, but he also has plans individually for each and every one of us. Yahuwah God says, I alone know the plans I have for you. Isn't that what we would want to go to God and say to God, Lord God, Yahuwah Abba, what is your plan for me? Wouldn't that be nice? That's what we want. And Yahuwah wants to bring about the future that we hope for. This is why we can always go to him, Yahuwah, our God. Well, how do I know that Yahuwah God has a plan for me too? This is what the book of Psalms teaches, 139, 16 to 18. You saw me before I was born. Is that true just for one person or is it true for all of us? That's true for all of us. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. This is God. He's different, different from people different from consultants out there sometimes we seek the help of a consultant right we hire them we pay them money to help us make decisions about certain things in our life yahuwah god is not just a consultant yahuwah god is our creator he knows what is best for us more than we know what is best for us do you believe that sometimes we think we know what is truly good for us no Yehovah God knows more than what's more knows more than you concerning your life. Why? Because He created you. He created all of us. And not only did He create us, even after creating us, look at what the Bible says. How precious are your thoughts about me? God's plans for us are precious. Not only are God's plans for us precious, the Bible says there, these thoughts outnumber the grains of. Sand. Isn't that nice to know? God is always thinking of us. Right now, God is thinking of us. In your darkest hours, God is thinking of you. In your moments of need, God is thinking of you. Why not think of Him too, and say to Jehovah God, Lord God, I want what You want, because Jehovah God wants to give that to us. And so, for us not to fall prey to accidentally. Maybe without even knowing it, end up compromising Yahuwah's best for our life. What should we do? Because I know what you're asking. Brother, how will I know Yahuwah's will? How will I know if this is Yahuwah's will for me? Right? How can we know? I'm going to read one one more passage before we pray. But I want you to think about this. How will we know? What Yahuwah's will is for my life that we must never compromise. Let's read the final passage of our studies today. Philippians 3, 7 to 9. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Yahushua, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Brothers and sisters, how can we know what Yahuwah's will is for our life? I'm going to answer that by asking you this question. What is Yahuwah's best for our life? What is it? That we gain who? Yes. Who's the best gift that Yahuwah can give? Yahushua. That really is God's ultimate standard and purpose for our life. And so if we want to know Yahuwah's Yahuwah's will for our life, with the decisions that we make, let's ask ourselves the following question. Will this choice, this decision I'm going to make, will it lead me to know Christ more? Will it lead me to be closer to Christ? Apostle Paul said what he considered valuable, he considers garbage, right? What is considered valuable in the sight of man? He says compared to the sight of faith and its object or its, where it points us to, which is Yahusha the Christ, He said, compared to that infinite value of knowing Christ, Yahushua, everything else is what? Garbage. And so, brethren, what I'm trying to get you to do is to ask yourself before any decision, ask yourself, will this lead me closer to Christ? Will this add more knowledge about Christ that I need to know? Will this help me understand the Christ? Will this lead me to the Christ, to Yahushua, my king? Because Yahusha is God's best for our life. Let's not settle for anything less. And so in every decision we make, it should lead to us becoming more and more like Yahusha. Because when we realize what we have with Yahusha, our king, we begin to realize everything else that the world thinks is valuable is actually nothing compared to Yahusha, our king. And may that be our guiding light when we make requests, when we make decisions in our life as we journey to the promised land. Let us stand, brethren, and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, Yahuwah our God, what a comfort to know that you often and always think precious thoughts about us when we think About this biblical truth. Oftentimes. We are ashamed. Because. Who are we. That you should be mindful of us. Yes. At the same time. We're overwhelmed. Yes. By your love and concern. Yes. No one. Thinks of us more than you. Yes. No one. Can love us more than you. And so we pledge to you father. Absolute surrender to your will every day when we make choices in our life, especially the major choices in our life. Teach us your will. May your desire for our life be our desire. If we will only learn that you more than anyone, even more than ourselves, truly wants what is best for each one of us. Teach us to trust you. When we pray to you, making requests, may we always include your will be done. May your will be our will. This is the best way to live out our life. You have never failed us. Not before, not now, not ever. You will always be there for your people. You have already given us your best. When you sacrifice your only begotten son. We surrender to your will now. Yes. yes, we make requests to you. But your will be done. Yes, Father, we mean that with our heart. Yes. Guide us and direct our steps. Yes. We don't want to compromise your will. Yes. We want to be fully engaged in your desires for your people. Yahushua, our King, Yes, right. we pray to you indeed you are the source of infinite wisdom yes we have everything we could ever want through you yes may you please help us to become like you yes. to possess your attitudes your mind to possess your heart to be like you more and more every day yes help us that every day we draw closer and closer to you yes. that we can receive always your fellowship that comforts and edifies our faith. Amen. Father, thank you so much for listening to our prayers. Yes. Bless our loved ones, O God. Yes. Give them opportunities to understand your will. Yes. And may you please open their eyes that they will see your truth. Yes. And may your truth guide them to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to our prayers. Yes. We ask and beg everything, loving Abba, yes. in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha the Christ. Amen. Amen.